Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you and glad to have you that are visiting with us, have you here with us. Last week was an important week in the life of our church. The church voted on a new pastor last week, and I don't know if you've heard, but there was only one no vote. Out of the members and non-members, I think there were close to 80 votes that were cast, and so that's that's great. I mean, when I came here, it was uh, I came like 80% approval. Now I don't even know what that means. It means that one out of five people don't want you here, and so you know that's kind of the way it was. So I was excited. Uh, Deborah and I were excited that David Willie was voted in, and it seems as though um, with the vote that you guys are excited as I am to have him here. You know, whenever uh, you go through change, especially as a church. There's always challenges that arise, and especially the changing of a pastor. And with the congregation, you know, you have to get used to this guy, and you have to try to learn what he's like and what he uh, has personality and, and so forth. So there's a, a change that, that is uh, going to have to take place there. But if there's also the change from his perspective, um, the congregation and in the fact that he's going to have to change as well and and it's intimidating to come into a situation what a challenge it is when you are coming in as a new pastor to a church where everybody knows everybody and you don't um i've done this made this move several times in my career over the last 40 years and it is intimidating everybody knows everybody the cliques are formed and Everybody's friendly with everybody, and you're always the outsider. And it takes some time to fit in, to get to know everybody. It's intimidating. Um, I can just imagine, uh, what you, know, I'm, you should imagine, what it would be like to come into a situation like that. And now, I say that because as I was thinking about what in the world I could possibly preach on before next Sunday, because next Sunday, honestly... You need to know, Deb and I are going to take about 10 minutes, and then we're going to eat, okay? So 10 minutes of uh, sharing with you a little bit of our heart, and then we're going to go eat and say our goodbyes next Sunday. So the question then becomes, what was I going to do for this Sunday? And I thought, well, maybe I think the best thing that I could do as far as benefiting the congregation is to share with you some of what I feel and what my heart is concerning how to minister to the minister. Um, and this will probably be the first message I've ever given where I don't really use any scripture. And I just wanted to share with you some things that over 40 years of ministry that have kind of stuck in my mind and things that I would tell you as far as bringing in a new pastor, how you can best minister to him and, and um, interact with him. And some of this is from things that I'm, well, most of it is from things that I've learned that are, I've learned from the good things that people have done over the years of ministry. And the few that I've seen and and wished, well, that probably would need to be changed, and I would tell somebody to do it differently maybe uh, in in the next uh, pastorate. This, for the most part, doesn't refer to you as a church. Um, The good things that I do, I'm, I'm not here to talk about things that maybe we could have done differently or better because, honestly, as Deb and I have talked, it's been a great ministry. We're going to talk to you about that next week. But I want to share with you, and I wrote down eight things. 
and I'm going to go through those with you, uh, things that I want to encourage you to do as you bring in the new pastor. Now, I was sitting back there thinking, and this is the first time I thought of this. He was voted in last week, so officially he became the pastor with the vote. Now, that makes me the fill-in. For the next two weeks, this week and next week, he had to finish up over there where he's at, and so I'm going to fill in until he can get here. I've never been a fill-in, and I, I thought, this is kind of freeing. I can say and do what I want to now. It doesn't matter, and so <laughs> you brace yourselves, okay? You might not like what's said. I'm just teasing, but uh, I've, I've never been in that situation before, but let's get to it. I want to share with you eight things that I want you to take to heart as far as ways in which you can make Mike, or I'm sorry, David, uh, feel uh, more at ease and more at home and help everything to this transition to work and work well. Number one, I'm just going to go through these with you. Number one is to allow him the freedom to grow. Allow him the freedom to grow. And this is something that I've experienced here with you guys. You guys have given me a great deal of freedom to grow and to change and to fit in and so forth. I can tell you from experience that David is going to come in here and he is not going to have all the answers, but he can learn, okay? He's not going to know what to do in every given situation, but just like every other pastor who's ever come before him, he has to learn. And um, that's just part of the ministry. And it's, um, I can say this, I can say this in all good conscience. The pastor that he is now will not be the pastor he is a year from now or two years from now because everybody has to grow into the the position. And so I'm asking you to allow him that freedom, that time to grow and to get his feet under him and to learn to become the man of God that God wants him to be. This job requires to do it well, experience. Now there's a problem because every pastor has to start somewhere. There always has to be that first ministry, that first position. And for David, he's got some experience in other areas of ministry, but this will be his first senior pastor position. Man, I can remember mine, and I can remember all of the mistakes that were made and all the things I had to learn and the experiences that I had to go through. And... Each and every one of them was an opportunity to grow. And I want you to see this relationship that way. I want you to see this as an opportunity that you have as a congregation to help prepare him. Because it is a, it's a testing ground. A, a, it's a time for growth on both parts, the congregation and him as well. But that's going to require something of you. And that is that you're going to have to allow him the freedom to grow. And that means you're going to have to be patient. That's so important with a congregation because when a new pastor comes in, we sometimes have expectations that are unrealistic. Um, we, what we think he should be or what we've seen in the past or what we've experienced, that's not really fair. And so I'm asking you to be patient with him. And I'm asking you to be kind because sometimes church people can be unkind. So I'm asking you as a congregation to be kind and to be gracious. Um, Things will, like I said, be fluid. They'll be moving, and that's the way it ought to be. Um, The Word of God never changes, but ministries do. 
the way in which it's done will change, and things will be different than they have been in the past, and they'll be in a good in a good way. And but I'm asking you and expecting you as a congregation to treat him and give him the mo- the the same grace, the same patience, the same love that you've shown to me. Here's the second thing, and they, again, these are just thoughts, okay? So they're not in any order of importance, and it's basically my heart as I share this with you. And um, this may not be something that another pastor would share, but these are things that I've experienced over 40 years, and I'm just trying to share them with you. The second one is this. Encourage him, but don't coddle him. Encourage him, but don't coddle him. Now, you may be thinking, what in the world does that mean? Well, let me give you an illustration. When I was in seminary, I was sitting in a class with Howard Hendricks. He was the professor, and... um, he was saying to us, he said, men, he said, you shouldn't even be thinking of going into a pastorate until you're at least 30, because he's talking to some guys that were just out of college. He said, don't do it. He said, and I'm going to tell you now, he said, when you get into a pastorate, you're going to run into danger, and that danger is that you're going to fall prey to the glorification of the worm. We're sitting there thinking, What? explain please he said okay i'll explain it to you it goes like this he said you're going to get into your first pastorate you're going to get in the pulpit and you're going to preach a a sermon that's probably going to be a bomb he said you're going to go to the back of the church where everybody exits and every little gray-haired woman in the church is going to tell you how wonderful you are he said the glorification of the worm he said don't believe it he said because you're not that good (laughs) he said nobody ever is he said but people in churches have a tendency to think of pastors as having ego problems and we've got to stroke him we've got to encourage him they'll call it and we've got to lift him up and and give him the attaboys and that sort of thing don't do that okay because the problem with that is we know We know our weaknesses. We know in our hearts when something is going well and when it's not. We know in our hearts where we've done a good job and when we haven't. And we don't need to be told with this false encouragement, I guess we'll call it, uh, people trying to lift us up and build us up, but really we know better. You mean to tell you what a pastor wants from his congregation? He wants to know in his heart that God used him. That's all. Any pastor worth his salt who is, has integrity and honesty is not in it for the glory. He's not in, certainly not in it for the money. He's not in it for any of these things. He got into ministry because somewhere along the line he felt called of God to minister to these people and to lift them up and to help them to grow spiritually. And all he wants to know, because he's always asking this, of himself. He wants to know, you know what? God used me in the lives of those people. So I'm asking you that when you encourage him, that you be specific. Don't say, Pastor, that was a great sermon. Everybody says that. Tell him why. If God spoke to you, then tell him how. If something that he did in ministry was a blessing to you and helped you in some way, then tell him how. 
don't give him false praise because we can see right through that. I want to know, and I'm sure he wants to know, every pastor wants to know, you know what God called me to do this? God is using me and it's working. So be honest with him. Don't coddle him. Don't try to just feed an ego that you think he has. If he does, then he needs to be brought down a peg or two. So don't do that. Just be honest and share with him how much you appreciate him. Let him know that you're praying for him, that you're on his side, and you're wishing him the best. And that's all. Here's the third thing. Be willing to forgive him. Be willing to forgive him. I can tell you right now there will be plenty of opportunities for this because you think about this, guys, okay? All of you are different in, different in your personalities, in you know, your, your makeup, your past experiences, what your expectations are. Everybody's different. Everybody has some, are, some of you have tender hearts and some of you are very calloused and hard-hearted. And, and some of you are touchy-feely and warm and others are just, you know, at arm's length. That's just the way people are. So we all come together in a church, in a congregation, to worship and to learn and to grow in our faith and to learn to love each other. And sometimes people get hurt in that process. Sometimes your feelings are going to get hurt with David. I'm sure that sometimes I have hurt your feelings, not intentionally. But sometimes we hear things that we think the pastor said and take it wrong or whatever, and we get our feelings hurt and then we get mad. Sometimes he'll say something from the pulpit that we just don't disagree with. You think, well, I don't believe that. So we'll get mad about that. I've had people, man, they just got mad as fire at me over, this is mainly what I'm referring to as up in Indiana, simply over doctrinal things that I, they thought I was wrong. And it was just a, a you know, just a mess. And, and so there's, there are opportunities always for you to be hurt or angry you know, you'll walk down the hall and you'll think the pastor should have spoken to you and he didn't. He had his mind on something else. Any number of things. You know, we look in the scriptures, we're told to forgive each other. And when he falls off of that pedestal that you'll have him on, you'll put him up there because he's new. And when your image of what he should be doesn't measure up with really what he is, you're going to be upset, you're going to be discouraged, and you're going to be angry over certain things, and you're just going to need to back up and to forgive. And I've told you this before, that forgiveness is a choice. It's not about how you feel. It's not about whether you're over your anger or disappointment or dis discouragement. It's not about that. It's about a decision that you make because God has told you to love the body of Christ and to even love your enemies. So if you're mad at somebody over something, that's no grounds for bad behavior. It's no grounds for holding and harboring bitterness in your heart. You have to work through it. So I would advise you and tell you that if something happens and in the future and you find yourself angry with your new pastor, then go and talk to him. Just go talk to him and find out and clear the air as to what has happened and Maybe the misunderstanding can be dealt with. And if there's a legitimate reason, then talk about your differences and then get past your, your anger and learn to forgive. I've told you before that if you pray for somebody on a regular basis, 
it is almost impossible to harbor bitterness toward them. And so if you pray for somebody, your heart will be in a forgiving state, we'll call it, or you'll be ready to forgive. And so I want to encourage you to be continually praying for him, always, whether you're mad at him or not, and learn to forgive him. Just let it go. If if you've dealt with it, now just get past it. Here's a fourth thing that I want to share with you, and that is this. I want you to love his family. Love his family. Don't just accept his family, but love them. When we went up to Indiana, my daughters were going into junior high school at that point, uh, middle school. And so this was a tough time to make a move. It really was. Um, it was hard for them to fit in. You're, you're talking about in the Midwest. And if you've ever been to the Midwest, or maybe some of you are from the Midwest, outsiders, it takes a long time for an outsider to fit in because these people have lived up there in these far, on these farming, uh, on the farms and in this farming community. They've lived up there for generations. These hundred-year-old homes that belong to Grandpa, they're now living in it. They have their cliques, they have their friends, they have their family, and usually all of their social interaction centers around that, their families. And so for an outsider coming in, that's hard. Now, with me having been the pastor coming in was a little bit easier because everybody wanted to help the pastor to fit in. And part of that was with our kids. And I can remember one incident in particular where one of the men of the church, he and his wife, they were a young couple, and they had some children. They were a little bit younger than mine, but they called and they said, Hey, listen, we're going to go to the blueberry fields and pick some blueberries and was wondering if the girls would like to go with us. Uh, they said, well, sure, they'd love to. So they all went to the blueberry field. Well, they came back with blueberry spotches all over them because they all got into a blueberry fight in the middle of the field. But you know what? The girls loved that. And I appreciated that more than anything because this person was reaching out to my family to include them and make them feel welcome. It meant the world to me. When we came here, uh, to East Texas, it was just myself and Deborah because the kids were already through college by that time. And so we came here, and you guys have done nothing but reach out to us and include us in, in your families and in your lives. Uh, that's to be expected, you know, with the pastor, but boy, you even loved Deborah. Even more than me, I'm going to tell you. These ladies have rallied around Deb, and they just had a relationship and a, a, just a, a, a group of people friendship there that is just beyond measure and it's meant the world to us you've had us into your homes we've had card tournaments playing cards together we've done different activities like fishing and golfing and uh, you have loved us and you've loved my wife and if my kids when my kids do come to visit uh, from time to time you reach out and love them too and I want you to know that I've appreciated that so much and I want to encourage you that as Dave comes in with his family and his young children, that you take the initiative. That means you reach out. You take the initiative and do it to include them into your lives. Let them in and let them become a part of your, your inner circle, so to speak. But be faithful uh, to love their family and love his family, and that will mean the world to him. And I just want to encourage you to do that. Number five is something that probably is going to seem a little bit odd to you, 
but I'm going to put it up there and then I'm going to explain it, okay? You're gonna, I want to encourage you to be faithful in your giving. Okay, now how you're talking to me about, you know, ministering to the minister, and now you're off on giving. So how, what's the connection here? Well, it's very simple. Um, when the giving is low and when there's no money to do the things that we want to do, who do you think worries about that the most? Yeah, the pastor does. The pastor is the one that sits in his office and wonders why in the world is the giving so low? Why are people not faithful to support the ministry here? How are we going to be able to do ministry, the things that we want to do, what we have planned to do, but we don't have the money to do? It's not in the budget. What happens if we can't pay the bills? And how, what happens if we have to lay staff off? And what happens if uh, this and that? All of the stuff that you worry about. And I'm telling you from experience that whenever the pastor is worried about the giving, it interferes with ministry. He's not free to do it. And I want to encourage you as a church that you don't get into the habit of not being faithful in your giving, that you're withholding your, your giving. Unfortunately, sometimes people express their frustration in their giving. In other words, I don't like what the new pastor is doing or I don't like the direction the church is going in. I don't like this or I don't like that, so I'm just not going to give. I don't see that really in the scripture anywhere, you know. God never said to any of us that you support the ministry if they do what you want. So I'm going to encourage you now, I'm asking you, that you step up and that you're faithful in your giving because that takes a load off the shoulders of the pastor and frees him up to do things. And so, you know, we've struggled with this for quite a while, and part of it is because our numbers are down. Part of it is because some people just don't give. And I don't understand it, but I really want to encourage you to pick this up and begin to do this because it's so important. Number six, be supportive and follow his lead. Be supportive and follow his lead. No, I'm not talking, I move from encouragement and trying, you know, encouraging him with the things that you say to being committed to the unity of the church. The church, in Scripture, it seems like Jesus talks about unity within the church a lot because it's so important. And I want you to understand this, okay? Because the church cannot move forward in its mission if everybody in the church is going in different directions. Everybody has a preference, everybody has an idea, everybody has something, you know. And those things need to be heard in the right context. But there needs to be unity in the church. Now that means we're working together to achieve something for God. Unity means we're working together to reach the goal that we set out there for ourselves. Well, you can't have unity if the pastor and the leadership are going in one direction and people in the congregation don't want to do it, so they're just dragging their feet or not being supportive. Now, I'm asking you that you, whenever this young man comes in and begins to take his position here in this church, as the leadership in the church begins to come up with ideas, and we were just talking about a few this morning in our elders' prayer meeting, some things they're going to want to start doing when Dave gets on board. 
and they're good ideas. And I'm asking you to be supportive of that and put dogwood first. Put the church first, not your preference. You see, not your program. Put the church first and be supportive of whatever decision and direction the church goes in. That's vitally important. If you can, if you want to help this man fit in and help the church to achieve its goal, then it's going to require you to be supportive of the leadership in the church. And so I'm asking you that you are that you're on board with that. Now that may mean for some of you that you don't gossip or complain about the pastor to other people. Um, Just don't do it. I'm going to tell you right now from 40 years of experience, whatever you say to somebody usually gets back to the pastor. Yeah. And so all the things you said about me, I'm aware of. All right, but I still love you anyway. I'm just teasing. But it usually does. It usually does get back to the pastor. And like I said before, if you have something that you want to talk about, if you want to talk about a concern over a ministry or maybe another idea you have or another way of looking at it, go talk to him. Go talk to the the leadership. But don't just sit there and drag your feet and try to make problems for what the church is trying to do. Work with the pastor and the leadership in the church. Be supportive. Let me give you an illustration. That's something that happened to me years ago. This was up in Indiana. This had been 30 years ago when we first got there in Indiana. And one of the things that we wanted to do, they were traditionally had been doing a Sunday evening service for years. And so I wanted to cancel that and plug in and start doing small groups like we do here at this church. And we called them growth groups. It was just like we, we do here. And, um, you know, you get into the groups and you talk about the, the sermon, you, you go over the text, you talk about application, and you talk about how that fits into your life and changes that you can make and so forth, things like that. One of the men in the church, Randy, Randy was a little bit uh, aloof. Randy would stand off. He had been there for years, grew up in the church, but you had to really get to know him and he had to really get to like you in order to have a relationship with him. But... Um, he word got back to me that Randy didn't want to do that, and here's what Randy said as it was refer, as it was told to me. Randy said that he wasn't going to get into one of those counseling groups where I have to share your feelings because he wasn't going to share his feelings with anybody because that was the impression that he had. We're going to have therapy groups on Sunday night and, instead of Sunday evening service. So he he was dead set against it. But enter his wife. And his wife liked the idea and said, we're going to go. So where do you think he went? He went to the growth group because his wife wanted to go. So they came. And so the first year, you can just, it was just, you know, as you hear what's going on in each group, Randy's just opening up more and more and more and liking the group and understanding the group. And even though he was dragging his feet and wasn't supportive of the whole idea in the beginning, by the time it was over at the end of the year, he admitted this was a real blessing to me. Now, the next year, he liked it so much that he wanted to be a leader. Oh, so we made him a leader. And they did a great job leading the group. A couple of years after that, Randy wanted to decide he wanted to teach a Sunday school class. So we wanted to do something in family, marriage and raising children, that sort of thing. Randy's a great dad had, I forgot now, four kids maybe. Um, 
and was a great dad. And so we asked him to do a series on raising children and being a, a godly father and so forth. So he did. And he taught this, uh, this lesson. Well, I wasn't in there, but I heard, and here's what happened. Randy, in one of the lessons, began to open up and share with this, this, this group of people in his class the struggles that he was having with his children. And it was like the floodgates opened, and everybody else began to share about their struggles, because up to then, nobody would share. Randy starts crying. And then that was the turning point, almost, for him and his ministry, because from that point on, that class was one of the biggest classes in our church and flourished because Randy became transparent, you see. Now, I can go all the way back a few years earlier when Randy was dragging his feet saying, I'm not going to support that because I don't agree with it. And what a blessing he would have missed out on had he not come. Now, what I'm asking of you as a congregation, that you be supportive. And I'm not, there's no pet peeve here with me because our, our, you've been very supportive of me in things we've done. But I want that to continue. And I want you to be supportive of the leadership and work with the pastor, not against him. Work with the elders, but not against them. And if you have ideas, share those ideas. Because I can tell you right now, these guys are wanting to do what is best for the church. And they will take to heart anything that you bring to them. They really will. So be supportive and follow his lead. That's number six. Two more, okay? Number seven, before we get there, I'll give, all right, well, I'll go ahead and read it to you. Call on him for your weddings and funerals and not me. I wanted to preface that before she flashed it up there because it sounds a little harsh. What do you mean, Pastor? You don't, you don't, you're forgetting about us? You don't love us anymore? You're not going to take care of us? No, not, I'm not saying that at all. If you need me, you just call me, and I will help you in any way that I can. But I want to encourage you to do that with your new guy. Okay. Now, the reason for that is because it seems like in every church that I've been in, that I've started, there's a point, there's a point there at the beginning especially where somebody in the congregation will pass away, and the family will say, well, you know, Pastor, uh, our previous pastor, Pastor Bob was up in Indiana, or, or Phil was here when I came, you know, pa former pastor. And he was such a blessing to us and such a, a, a close relationship. We're going to get him to do the service. You look, I, I didn't care because it really doesn't bother me. I understand that relationship. I understand that whenever you do a funeral for somebody and help them through a time of grief, there's a bond that forms. There's a relationship there that is very deep. And my problem is this. Now listen. That bond is what you need to form with the new guy. And if you keep calling me, he doesn't get that privilege. Because there's nothing that can take the place of two people going through a hard time together. And as he walks you through that, your love for him will grow, just like it has for me. But there has to be a point where you do it. You say, even though I love the first Pastor Dave, I have to bond with the second. 
And that's okay. You need to know that. You're not going to hurt my feelings if you bond with this new guy. I hope you do. I pray that you do. But you can't call me just at the, on a whim. I'm going to encourage you to call him first. Now, the only exception to that is Doyle. Doyle's got me under contract. He made me the day that I told you or sent the letter out that I was leaving. Doyle came to the golf course with a written type contract. I had to sign it and the other guys had to witness it. That when he and Imogene Jean die, I have to do their funeral. Imogene Jean passed away here a year or so ago and I'm halfway through my contractual agreement. So I've got to, where's the old, I've got to bury that old buzzard. So that, that, he's mine, okay? But outside of that, I want to encourage you to please uh, uh, go to, the, to your new guy and take care of that, okay? Um, number eight, final one. Focus on the future and not the past. Uh, focus on the future and not the past. Now, here's what I mean by that. Please do not get around uh, Dave Willie and reminisce about the good old days. Okay, please. This has happened in every ministry that I've been in. Well, when Pastor So-and-so was here, we did this and we had that and this and all this. You know what? That's like a dagger in the heart of your pastor. Here's the reason why. Because basically what you're saying is, I liked it better back then than I do now. There's no, no way to cut it differently. There's no way to say it. Don't do that. You may have, but, but let me tell you something about churches, okay? Churches have to, like I said earlier, it's fluid. They are going to have to change. The Bible doesn't. The, the structure, the mandates, the guidance, the, the commands in Scripture, they never change. But what is fluid is the way in which those things are carried out and the way in which the ministry is done. And every time a new pastor comes, things are, are going to automatically change. And it may not be what you're used to. It may not be what we've done in the past but that doesn't make it wrong and it doesn't make it bad. And if the leadership work together, uh, David and the elders work together, they've got some great ideas. You know, and I'm, I'm praying, I'm expecting this 43-year-old man to come in and replace this 70-year-old man, and hopefully he has the energy that I lost a long time ago. And hopefully I'm, I'm praying that he has the ideas and, and, and the insight, and I feel with all my heart that as he works together with the leadership here in this church, there's going to be some great things happen. It really is. But churches change. And whatever was good in the past may change, and it'll be different. It doesn't make it bad. And um, I just want you to realize that. And I want to encourage you not to try to hold it back so that you can relive the past, okay? Don't do that. Uh, people do this all the time. The older we get, we are become set in our ways and we want it to be like it was before. And don't do that because it's not fair to the pastor, but it's not fair to the church. God said, I'm going to build my church. Well, you've got to get out of the way and let him. Let him build the church. And it may be different than the way it has been in the past, but it's okay. So allow him to do that. I believe with all my heart that in the next few years, Dogwood's going to look different. It really will. And I believe with all my heart it'll look different in a good way. And the church will be stronger. 
It's going to take all of you pulling together to do it. But I have every confidence that you will because you always have for me. And don't try to hold it back like I said before. But let God do what God wants to do. And I can say with all my heart, I can't wait to see what God does. I really can't. Let me pray for you. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow here before you today, Lord, I lift up this church. I pray your blessings on it. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit falls upon this man that will take my place. And I pray, Father, for your Spirit to fall on these people. May they all come together in unity around this man. And Father, may your will be done. May your work move forward. And Lord, I pray that everything that is said and done in this church would be out of an attempt, an endeavor, a desire to serve you and to honor you. And Lord, I know, I just know that you're going to do great things. I thank you, Father, for the years of ministry you've given me here, the blessing that it's been. And Father, I pray that for this young man that's coming in. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you, Pastor. Um, If you're visiting, we um, are so excited that you're uh, here and choosing to worship with us, and we welcome you. Okay, just in uh, way of some announcements. So next Sunday, we will be having a luncheon for Pastor Dave and Deborah. And so in regards to that, if um, if you could help us set out some tables, um, we will want to kind of set up today for next Sunday. And so if you can help with that, uh, we'll put out some tables and chairs in the, the back um, for that. Okay. Um, the Mercy Team, um, if you're interested in serving on the Mercy Team, if you could contact Martha Rainwater and let her know that, that you're interested in that. Um, we could use some, some more people on the Mercy team, and um, that's just a, a team that provides for needs when they arise, um, you know, to maybe provide food or some other needs that might come up, and, and there's a, a team that helps to coordinate that. And so if you're interested in that, talk to Martha, okay? Uh, Promise Keepers, that's coming up on July the 16th and 17th. And we have a few tickets um, that are are available for that. And so if you're interested in going to Promise Keepers, if you could talk um, to Mickey or let one of us know, we have some extra tickets. Okay. I also want to mention the Dogwood Youth are selling the discount cards. And um, so that fundraiser is available, and that's to help with camp. Um, as far as giving, um, you can give online. And there's um, a box in the back. You can put your um, giving, your offering in that. Also, I want to mention the yellow cards that are in front of the chairs. And so if you have a prayer need, you have something that you would like to communicate to um, the pastor or the leadership, uh, feel free to fill out that card and you can drop it in the box back there and and we'll get that and and look at that, okay? Um, Cody, where is Cody? He's not here. Okay, well, he he had some announcements.
So I'm going to be Cody. How's that? No beard? But uh, <laughs> okay, so um, Cody, let's see, he, there's the painting um, going on on July the 5th and 10th, or the July the 9th and the 10th at 9 o'clock. And so if, you're, uh, if you can help with that, um, Cody's going to have kind of like a work day for doing some painting for some of the kids' stuff. Um, and so that's coming up. And then also he has a volunteer meeting um, for those that want to help out with the children's ministry. And that will be on July the 25th. And so if you're interested in helping out with uh, children's ministry, um, then that there will be a meeting on the 25th. Okay. All right. Um, so that's it for the announcements. And now I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Dave. A couple of weeks ago, we had our new members class, the one-on-one class that we do for our membership. And we've got some people that want to, well, they already basically joined the church, but we're presenting them today. I'm going to call their names, and you can come on up. The first one is not here. She was sick. Laura Finley, but she's joined the church and can be presented another time. Angie Langford, go on up. Jason and Angie House, where are you? Come on. You guys need to move quick. I'm hungry. All right, Caleb and Brenna Hobbold. What's the correct pronunciation? Is that right? Hobbold? Okay, that's good. Nick and Ashley Taylor. Cody and Megan Walker. Cody's not here. He's in back with the children. All righty. And Rick and Mary Taylor. You guys come on up too. <laughs> All right. All right, we'll... Come on. Oh, come on up here anyway. It's okay. Okay, guys, the new trend coming up is beards. You're going to have to have one. All right, that's fine. And you may, you all know Cody and Megan are on staff here. They just never joined the church, so we're going to do it today. I'm just putting him on the spot. Okay. Um, church membership is very important because it's a commitment to the church. And these folks have taken the necessary class to learn all about the church, and they're committing themselves to membership here at this church. And they're going to uh, they pledge to be supportive and be a part of this and to love this church. And now it's your turn to love them because I want to ask you, and this is what we do each time, is that you come up now at the end of the service and just hug on them and let them know that you're loving them and supportive of them being here and that you're going to work with them to help Dogwood to become a great church. And so I'm going to close in prayer, and I'm going to give you the opportunity just to come up and greet them, okay? So please do that. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these folks, and Lord, we just... uh, Again, look to the future. This is a good group of people to come and become a part of this church right at this time in our history. And, Father, we're asking that you would bless them and bless this church and a special blessing on the new pastor, Dave. And, Lord, I pray your blessings and guidance all the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.